listening to This Is Our Story. Welcome back. And uh, at this point in time, we are still in Taranaki at my place in our makeshift studio. So welcome back to Kieran. Thank you for having me in more ways than one. Um, (laughs) Thank you for having me in your house and in your lounge room. And thank you to you all out there in the wide, wide world for joining us once again for our little wee journey through life. Congratulations. <laughs> this time we wanted to jump straight into our story time with a few memories about gifts that we got over the years from our parents. Yeah. Um, well, they, these are kind of like funny stories that we yeah. often tell each other. We don't really have these conversations with mum and dad. No. Because, you know, they wouldn't like that. <laughs> but we we often have received gifts that have kind of inspired a bit of a quiet chuckle or cackle <laughs> for some of them. Entertainment value for sure. Yeah. Um, they've definitely not been uh, the best at giving gifts, or yeah. giving gifts or coming up with appropriate gifts, I should yeah. say. <laughs> what were some that you got that you wanted to mention? Well, I mean, to kind of juxtapose to the gifts that mum and dad gave, we, when we were young, we actually received some pretty cool gifts from mum's family because, as we've talked about before, they were quite close. Uh, I mean, we were close, as in we used to go to a lot of Christmas gatherings and such, uh, but they were physically close as well. So they were most likely to be invested in our lives. But they they loved little kids. They've always loved little kids in that family. And we often received some pretty cool gifts as children from them. I don't uh, really remember any, to be honest, from them. But so I, I mean, I do remember from, from Grandma who uh, my mum's mum receiving a science kit so so my great my my mum's mum she she was an odd character this is kind of getting mm. off a little bit off topic but she was quite intelligent not much of a we did talk about the fact that she wasn't really into kids no but she was she liked me because she sensed a kind of a little bit of her in me and you know that kind of natural intelligence and curiosity and she wanted to really kind of inspire that and this was i guess the um the motivation behind this science kit i had i had a little um what do you call it a microscope thing and uh, it was a whole kit to kind of do little experiments with bugs and stuff like that and i really liked i really enjoyed it i don't remember using it a whole lot but i did appreciate (laughs) it at the time but interestingly enough i think it was this whole gift giving thing in mum's family you know, with kids, it was one of the things I think that precipitated us moving away from that because once we got older, they stopped giving us as many gifts and I don't think I'm like that. <laughs> uh, but apart from that, going going back to parents' parental gifts, I've had a few, few watches given to me, um, which is quite like, they're quite nice watches. But the thing is, is that they were always very impractically sized. <laughs> I remember getting this like gigantic... Huge gigantic gold watch and it was so over the top i was like mom i just cannot wear this <laughs> imagine it'd be like the the equivalent of wearing a giant gold chain or something <laughs> it's just i do not wear accessories and then to give me a giant gold watch was like thanks but i don't know what to do with this <laughs> <laughs> but that wasn't the uh, the worst gift <laughs> yeah i mean there was a, another time when i was living in in thailand they sent me a, a, a package. They would do these kind of quote-unquote care packages every now and then. And Dad thought it would be a good idea to 
send me some. They knew I, they, I mean, it was thoughtful. They knew I loved fruit buns, right? Bread, you know, I love bread. Uh, so they thought probably would be missing fruit bread in Thailand, which is true. But, you know, when you send stuff from Australia to Thailand, it doesn't arrive overnight. <laughs> it literally takes weeks. So by the time those bread rolls, fruit buns got to me, they were a long way from edible. <laughs> Stale, covered in moles. <laughs> squashed. <laughs> squashed. <laughs> and that was pretty much it, I think, and maybe a pair of socks. <laughs> what about you? I think you've got the better story, to be honest. Yeah, so it's not something we've actually mentioned, but a few years ago now, but mum and dad were living in Saudi Arabia, and um, I guess it's a tricky place to, to find presents for someone, you know, like Western-style presents anyway. And this one year, I was left gobsmacked at the present when I opened it on Christmas Day. Oh, it just makes me cringe. It was soap, but it was labeled virginity soap or virgin soap. And I was like, what the hell? Like, are they trying to say something? Like, am I supposed to be washing away my sins? <laughs> Wash or? away that impurity, Brian. Yeah. Goodness gracious. Um, I don't know if it was a genuine mistake or tongue-in-cheek or I don't know. It was really fucking weird. A little bit difficult to explain. Yeah, and I kind of didn't really know what to say, like, thanks for the soap. I'm pretty sure I still have it somewhere too, just for comedic value. I think I kept it in in the box because there was two. Not only one, there was two. Um (laughs) Obviously, you were so dirty. (laughs) Some extra, extra shit to wash away. Yeah, that's it. Um, So that was a bit of a um, sort of out the gate present. Um, But another year, Mum sent me a, and this is like I'm a I'm a fully grown adult when she sends me these gifts, right? She sent me a a gollywog, and. (laughs) What's a gollywog? Yeah, I was about to say, for those that don't know, there were. Because they've now been cancelled and you can't find them. Um, There were. Very popular in the 80s, I think. Oh, they're much older, much older than that. But they're they're a product of like colonial times, basically. But yeah, essentially it's a a black doll. And I mean, you can't even call them gollywogs anymore. I think they changed the name before they stopped producing them um, because it's quite offensive. Well, Um, they basically represent like uh, slaves. Yeah. Originally, that was the design. And for some god forsaken reason mum thought that I would like one so she sent me this black doll with like it had this blue stripy dress on and when it arrived I was like what the hell am I supposed to do with this like I'm an adult I don't have kids like what am I supposed to do with a doll so in the end we we ended up putting it on our our guest bed and uh we had a friend come and stay one time and um he was really drunk and we we tucked him in with this gollywog and uh in the end he he ended up taking it home and it's just been sort of this laughable matter since then that he's he shacked up with it I feel like I can't even say that anymore. (laughs) They have been well and truly cancelled. Don't even know if you can even find them anymore. No. Mm. So, yeah, that was just some of the, um, and, you know, over the years, even still, mum still tries to send us presents, even though we say, look, we're adults, you know, we don't need presents at Christmas. Uh, (laughs) It's an an ongoing saga. Yes. But, yeah. yeah. So that that was our experiences over the years with gifts. Yeah. (laughs) 
Well, I guess, okay, moving on, segueing into our story, uh, back to the story. So where we last left off, we were talking about Briar's first kind of forays into a single life. And I guess we're just going to continue on from that and just kind of talk about what it was like. Uh, How did it feel to be on your own? And what did it feel like to be having fun and you know, having been through this whole stage, this journey myself and, you know, being alone and having to go through all that stuff again, it's, you've got on, in both, on both hands, right? It feels great to have this in newfound independence and you can do whatever the hell you want. But at the same time, it's too, it feels too fresh. It's like, you can't quite mm. be It's yourself. a double-edged sword, isn't yeah. it? It's, yeah. Yeah. So I had just come out of the marriage and then I was... Uh, six months later dating someone for six months and that ended and so going into that was going into 2012 uh, 2012 as I mentioned before was a very busy year for me with work traveling etc um, and doing my own travel then it must have been July no just before July so it must have been June I had um, booked a trip with a friend of mine to go to New York and uh, it was like a once-in-a-lifetime trip. We'd saved up loads of money, and um, we were going for almost two weeks. So this, so this is kind of a story that kind of epitomizes this particular <laughs> stage yeah. of life. Right? Yeah, because, <laughs> again, uh, like for those six months after, I broke up with this guy, you know, single again, and we just wanted to go to New York and have fun, and, yeah, we'd saved all this money, and... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> my friend and I, we went out for a night out in, in Madison Square Gardens and we met these two guys and one of them was a bit older. I reckon he would have been in his 40s, maybe even 50, and a younger guy, maybe in his 30s. And they told us that they were pilots and they flew Learjets, like private planes with bands and famous people. So they were like, oh, we're just here for a few days from L.A., like, you guys should come to L.A. with us for a couple of days. And, uh, you know, we were sort of teetering on the edge of, like, is this guy for real or is he just making this up to sort of, you know, as like a pickup line? And uh, <laughs> we went to go buy a drink together and discuss, like, like you know, whispering and saying, like, what do you want to do? Like, we've spent all this money on this New York trip, but do you want to go to L.A.? And But are they for real? Anyway, in the end, my friend, I can't remember the conclusion we came to. We were just like having a good time and we ended up going back to the, to this, these guys' hotel room. And um, I think it was just assumed that, you know, I would have one guy and she would have the other, which wasn't the case. And I didn't want to be left alone with this other guy. So when we got to the hotel room, I said to my friend, I was like, I'm going with you. Please don't leave me with this other guy. <laughs> um, Poor guy. <laughs> yeah, probably a bit of a um, chop down his ego a little bit. But anyway, <laughs> so we stayed the night at this at, the, at this guy's place. All three of us just. <laughs> um, when you say this, hold on a second. You stayed at this guy's place. <laughs> Please. <laughs> Explain a little bit more clearly. <laughs> um, so I had nothing to do with it, but I was just there. I was not... You were pa- present. Yes, I was present. That's it. Um, so some guys just like started mowing the lawn. I'm going to close the door. <laughs> so, yeah, I was just there. I was 
sleeping, <laughs> pretending to sleep, facing away from them too while they were having a good time. Doing the deed. <laughs> um, me, not so much. <laughs> I was just there um, pretending how, to so be asleep. How, how bad was this other guy that you chose to be in a well, bed with other people not taking part? <laughs> <laughs> but not in he his was bed. old he was old and just that's not what yeah I was I was not up for that anyway <laughs> we'll just fast forward through that so the next morning we leave my friend and I jumped in a taxi now bear in mind this was like a I don't know Monday morning rush hour tra- traffic we were dressed from the night before uh we were going back to our hotel my friend and I were just sat in the back seat we were just sort of on our phones next minute there was this big commotion. The taxi driver had hit somebody, like somebody that was crossing the road. Like, you can't make this shit up. We jumped out of the cab and we were like, what the hell? You've just hit somebody. This guy, his leg was all like mangled. And we were like, we are not paying for the taxi. Like, you've just hit this guy. So the taxi driver was kicking off because he wanted us to pay. And he was like, I didn't mean to hit him. (laughs) anyway so we ended up having to stick around because we had to give a statement to the police and uh then because you know me being a kiwi my friend she was from czech republic the the policeman started hitting on us like he was asking where we're from and like oh i like your accent american (laughs) yeah (laughs) so bold (laughs) (laughs) cool down buddy cool down (laughs) So we had to give our numbers and emails and stuff anyway because we had to um, provide a statement as to what had happened. And uh, we were like, so we got another cab and once all that drama had calmed down and, and went back to the hotel, we were like, what the fuck just happened? Like, it's a crazy story, but nonetheless, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> They're kind of one of those like spontaneous type adventures that generally don't happen <laughs> later on when you've quote-unquote settled yeah no um so yeah that was a sort of a, a funny memory <laughs> but yeah we spent you know a good 10 days in new york and did some awesome things but yeah that definitely stands out <laughs> as a memorable moment um, i mean like uh, i don't know is there anything else you want to share about your no well i mean so what it was like what was it like at home um like were you still going out and partying a lot, dating a lot, whatever. Like what was your experience for those, for that like 2012? Pretty much, yeah. And I mean, like I said, I was actually um, hardly in London at all because I was traveling so often. So I was going out when I was back in London, but... Like clubbing or... Yeah, clubbing, going out, meeting friends. Um, again, a lot of drinking. Uh, but yeah, that was not happening as much as the year before because I was so busy with work in a way. So it was when I was home in London, it was more about catching up with my actual friends. So did you ever kind of like get yourself in situations where you were like looking back, like how the hell? Yeah, for sure. Like (laughs) Like how am I still alive? (laughs) Yeah, definitely. Uh, I mean, haven't we all been in that position? (laughs) Um, I mean, you're more likely in that that kind of stage of life to put yourself in in potentially dangerous, mm. compromising situations because you just don't give a shit, right? Yeah, and that's it. I definitely had that sort of, excuse my French, fucker attitude. I was just like, I don't care. I really don't care. I would. I just wanted to live my life to the fullest and just do what I wanted to do, 
without regarding any consequences whatsoever. And to be honest, for sure, looking back, um, I genuinely think I don't know how I got through that situation without being harmed or, yeah, like I definitely had my friends telling me off for putting myself in situations like that and I just sort of brushed it off, which I should have been more careful really. But, you know, when you're in that mindset, you just don't care about those things or even think about them. Yeah. I mean, into all this kind of chaos and stuff, your life kind of took a bit of a different turn when you met somebody. Mm -hmm. You would just like tell a bit about that story, how that came about. Yeah. So when I got back from New York, it was July, 2012. I met this guy who actually, this was back in the day uh, when Instagram, it was kind of, very low key. Uh, yeah, it was. I don't. Not many people were on Instagram like 2012. I it seems like four years ago, but it really wasn't. <laughs> it was like 11 years ago. Yeah. Yeah. So it was kind of newish, and not many people were using it much. So I met this guy who happened to comment on one of my photos. <laughs> How did um, he find you? So this guy had been planning a trip to New Zealand with his friends and so he was kind of looking he must be looking up hashtags or something and he just happened to come across my profile um how organic is this this is so cute so he 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 commented on one of my pictures and realized that I was a Kiwi living in London and um so we kind of struck up conversation but back then Instagram didn't have like the DMs uh, like you couldn't private message so we were having like long uh, conversations on just like this. on comments yeah, yeah just in the comments section so actually you could if you really wanted to you could go back onto my profile and find the picture <laughs> that we were having that conversation and I think I said to him because I realized that the comment section was just getting ridiculous with all these comments I was like oh do you have this thing called whatsapp I think it was whatsapp <laughs> back then or it might have been something else like vibe or something and so I, I posted my number on a public forum. Luckily back then, nobody really was paying, you know, attention. Yeah, paying attention to that kind of stuff. So yeah, we ended up messaging and um, he didn't live in London. He lived in Yorkshire, which it's about a two hour direct train journey. And um, yeah, so he was planning this trip with his friends. And so he wanted to get advice, I guess, about places to visit in New Zealand and uh yeah he just started he's like oh can I come down meet you and uh I still remember to this day the first phone call we had because I I'm a kind of person that hates phone calls I'll avoid (laughs) them at all costs even now Uh, yeah even now and he was the same and uh we'd been talking for ages via messaging and and one day I decided I was like fuck I'm gonna call him and we always talk about this because <laughs> I called him and in the typical Kiwi fashion, I went, hello. Because <laughs> if you if you don't know already, Kiwis tend to go up at the end of every sentence. And um, so we talk about this a lot. And so, yeah, he just started coming down to visit me in London and I really liked him. Got on with him and it was really good, good value, good company. But I mean, obviously, it was just kind of also a transition time for you because you were, what, a year out, year and a half out mm. from having left behind a marriage yeah. and not a short, you know, not mm. insignificant amount of time in that marriage, too. So there was yeah. a lot going on there. 
Yeah. But you were slowly kind of moving into this different stage of life, slowly. But actually, I, I liked the fact that I connected with this guy, um, but and, and I was quite open and honest with him uh, that I, you know, I'd, I'd come out of a long-term relationship. I wasn't looking for anything. So, you know, it was cool to hang out with someone I really connected with um, just on a friendship level, actually. And I hadn't mentioned this before. You probably don't even know this, Karen, but I was planning on leaving the UK. I'd planned to move to Chicago and what just start. What had precipitated that? Go on. No, nothing, nothing really. I guess I just, maybe it was itchy feet. And because I was single, it was maybe just me uh, again, feeling empowered to make my own decisions, to be able to go mm. where I wanted, when Fresh I wanted. Start. Yeah. Uh, so um, I'm so glad I didn't because I definitely wouldn't want to live in America, let alone Chicago. But anyway, so I was literally teetering on the edge of of moving and making a big life decision. And so this guy, you know, was up front. I said, hey, look, don't get too attached because, you know, I'm thinking of leaving. So over the sort of the next six months, um, we were visiting each other quite a bit, going, he was coming down quite a lot. And um, then towards the end of 2012, so I had been planning this trip for a long time, but I had planned to go back home to New Zealand to surprise everybody and Australia because I hadn't been back in four and a half years. And at this time was like... Kieran and I still weren't really talking. Well, not at all, actually. No, we weren't at all. I think I, just before this trip, you had sent me a message. I think you were trying to gauge, because you didn't even know. Remember, I was back. Yeah. You sent me a message about wanting to, I talked about this what, a couple of episodes ago, about wanting to catch up and talk mm. about things. And then I was like, well, actually, I'm not there anymore. Mm. <laughs> and that, was, that wasn't long before you were actually going on this holiday. Yeah, so I hadn't I hadn't told anybody I was going back, and at the time, mum and dad were living in Australia, and you were as well, weren't you? And yeah, I was in I was in Melbourne. At this yeah, stage. so I had been planning this trip back for like about a year, I think, or just under a year. So mum, when mum and dad were in Darwin, right? It was just it, adopted brother was in Harvey Bay, yes, and we were going to be visiting, yes. I had already planned to go with my partner to Harvey Bay in, in Queensland, mm. Australia, to visit the adopted brother with him and his family. And then my parents or our parents were going to be coming down from from Darwin, I believe, at that yes. stage yes. to join yeah. us. And it was going to be this family yeah, affair, family minus you, of course. Yeah, because were they weren't you. expecting me. So, And because the guy that I was seeing, he had planned this trip to New Zealand at the exact same time. So we're like, oh, cool, like we'll meet up in New Zealand. So anyway, Christmas came around and I flew into Brisbane and made my way up to Harvey Bay. So the only person that knew was our adopted brother and um, he picked me up and uh, this was Christmas Eve 2012 and I decided to, I didn't want to wait till Christmas morning to surprise them. So I went around and I'll see if I can dig out the video of this because mm. he recorded the reaction and it was pretty emotional, actually, because it had been a long time. And a lot had happened. Uh, yeah, a lot. A lot of... And you hadn't even really been talking to mum and dad. Much, no, right? no. Or or yourself. So there was a lot of stuff to... A lot of emotion just sort of bubbling away under the surface. 
And actually a week, we hadn't mentioned this before, but a week before I was due to fly out, we had a terrible tragedy in our family with my cousin. She unfortunately was killed um, by her ex. And that was, even though I hadn't seen her in years, that was just, I took that really hard actually. And she was only 23 and it was hugely emotional for me. And I was just an absolute wreck before. I didn't realize it was at the same time. actually. Yeah. We, we must have talked about that. I remember talking yep. with you about it. Yeah, it was the 12th of December. And the way I found out, actually, and I'll probably always resent mum for this. She sent me a text message to tell me and without thinking about what time of day it was, what I was doing at the time, how I might take that news. And I just happened to be at work with the kids and I was dropping them off at school. And in the UK, when you go to reception, which is like when you go, when you're four years old, you have to wait outside until the gates open and then you take the kids in. So I was stood outside, read this text message and was trying to hold it together and I, I quickly, like, took the kids into school, sort of, I didn't want them to see me upset, so I sort of kissed them goodbye and was like, and I ran out of there and I just collapsed and, and was bawling my eyes out. And I couldn't go back to work the next, uh, I texted my boss and I was like, look, I've just had this happen. And, uh, yeah, I, this was all just before leaving to go back home, so... Yeah, there was a lot of uh, emotion just mm. bubbling away um, under the surface. So when I arrived, yeah, it was a very emotional reunion. And um, I'd actually left my job. So I was going for two and a half months. The family I was nannying for, they didn't want me to, to finish, but it just sort of was coming to a natural end. And... Um, yeah, so I... It was like a real new chapter, right? Yeah. Yeah, I was ready for, you know, 2013 to be a new, fresh year, new start. It was quite... Um, it was quite... That family Christmas was a big deal in many respects because, yeah, we had all this, this drama in the background going on, which we didn't address. Mm. We all knew it was there, but we I guess we were just trying to move on. There was a lot of awkwardness, though. Uh, after that initial emotional reunion, I personally didn't find it emotional. I didn't know how to react. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and <laughs> one thing I always remember is that mum didn't recognise you. Yeah, she didn't. <laughs> she introduced herself, and that was um, that was quite amusing at the time. But in terms of all the stuff underneath, I wasn't able to talk about it yet because I was quite emotionally stunted myself, mm. having still still in the middle of all my shit that was going on at home. And uh, as we've talked about before, we're quite emotionally stagnant when we're all together mm. as a family. Yeah. Uh, so, all very awkward. Yeah. Socially awkward. Well, not socially awkward. Emotionally. Emotionally. Awkward. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, I, I have some good memories of that holiday in general, like just hanging out. It's the only full family gathering we've had. Or did we have mm. one more in Harvey Bay? Anyway, it was definitely up until that point, it was the first. Yeah, um, in a long time. Since I had left home, probably. Mm. So it was a it was a, a big deal for us. And yeah, there were some, some good times there. 
some awkward times too, but yeah. gen- generally mostly good. Yeah. I just remember the actual physical reunion being really awkward. Mm. Um, I think I burst into tears just because yeah. of, yeah. I don't know, it was just the emotion of it. But then I remember I saw you and because obviously it was the first time I'd seen you, we hadn't been talking. and It was an awkward hug. Yeah, it was a very awkward <laughs> hug. And your partner as well gave me a super, even more awkward hug and yeah. didn't really say anything. Uh, yeah. I guess she still felt like she didn't want to know me. But anyway, so I spent, I think, a couple of weeks there. Uh, that's right. At New Year's Eve, I flew to New Zealand because none of my New Zealand friends knew I was coming either. So I was going to meet my the guy I was seeing. I was meeting them in Queenstown for New Year's. And pretty much from there, I traveled around the South Island with him and his like five other mates. It was such a good time. It was like your dr- it was a dream trip. Right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, living in New Zealand, you don't really do all those sort of touristy things that we're famous for. So I decided that I was going to, you know, do the bungee jumps and and the skydiving and do all those things that the tourists usually do. So, mm. yeah, we spent sort of a, f- a few weeks doing that um, before I went up north to visit my friends and stuff from the North Island. So it was a a big trip, um, reconnecting with people. And, and then when I went back home, I went via Melbourne to visit you. Mm. And I stayed with you for a while. I think I was there two weeks. I stayed with a friend and for one week and a week with you and your partner. Yeah. On that, because I mean, we'll circle around to this anyway, but what was your impression at this time of how things looked? Uh, yeah, I was definitely ready for that fresh start. And uh, I, I think reconnecting with people who knew me really well it felt, it was like a release of pressure in a way. Like, um, you know, when you've been bottling stuff up and you just kind of fill your cup, so to speak. Uh, so although things were still not 100% uh, with us or with mum and dad. Kind yeah, of, it, it felt like even for me, even though we weren't really connected in the way that we are now, like from the outside looking in, you looked a lot healthier. mm like mentally, physically, yeah. just generally in a good And I think because I'd, quote unquote, you know, lived a bit of life um, and sort of had been making the most of that. And that, you know, everybody needs to go through that, I think, you know, have, have yeah, that so you know li- bit of life experience. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so, yeah, going back to the UK, it was like, ah, you know, I decided I really liked – this guy that I was seeing and I think I don't know if it was that trip or you know the new years and wanting to a fresh start but I was like I really like this guy he's stuck around even though I said I wasn't really interested in being in another long-term relationship um and he came to pick me up from the airport the the day I got back and I said to him so are you gonna ask me (laughs) And he, yeah, officially asked me out. And, yeah, that kind was... Strength, strength, yeah. strength since then. <laughs> I guess I can reveal, like, I'm <clears throat> 11 years later, still with the same person. So. Yeah. So I guess, you know, obviously, probably about time to switch back over to me. <laughs> 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 to me. 
So I guess to kind of catch up to the same point. Uh, so after coming back to Melbourne, I basically, there's not a huge amount to talk about really in this first part, but just kind of tried to get back into life, even though I was really kind of unhappy to be back in Melbourne. It was just something I had to do. But when I came back, the first thing I did was actually transfer to a different university from Monash Uni to to Melbourne University, just after my King's College experience. I, was like, I, didn't, I wanted to be somewhere perhaps a little bit more pre- prestigious or just I wanted a, a, a real, I don't know, it's hard to say. I just wanted to probably at a, be a better uni. And M- Melbourne University definitely has a, a more of a prestigious feel to it. Uh, so yeah, I transferred and changed my subjects slightly. So I, I moved away from doing history and ancient history to doing, because I, I gave up on the archaeological dreams because I realized it was a pipe dream, really. I wasn't going to be able to go around digging up, you know, graves and stuff. Well, not a whole lot in Australia, you know, mm. uh, and definitely wasn't going to be much of a much financial benefit being an archaeologist on our side of the world. Uh, so I switched over to history and politics and international studies at, at Melbourne Uni and just kind of proceeded to carry on with that. I really, really enjoyed studying. I've always enjoyed studying, but that those topics and specifically were just real interest areas for me anyway. And so I was, you know, it was quite cool to be learning things I was, that I was interested in, even though I had no real idea what I was going to do with it. <laughs> It was, you know, I kind of changed off the cuff, but didn't have a plan uh, for the future, so to speak. Uh, so where were you at in terms of like churchy stuff? Were you still like, did you find yourself getting back into church when you went back? Or Yeah. So what had happened before we left to go to the UK, we had joined a church and we were, had been a part of this church for about a year. Pretty, pretty involved, make quite a few friends there, was involved in the music and when we came back, we just kind of slotted back into that church. It felt different, though. Like, you know, it always feels different when you go back to the same place. You've got the same people there, but things have changed. And mm. my, like my best friend at that place, he'd found a, a, a girlfriend while I was away and was basically already almost shacked up with her by this time. And it just meant my experience of been able to go and hang. I used to go out and hang out with him a lot in my spare time, and there was a, a really tight group of us. And that changed. Those dynamics always change mm-hmm. when people start settling down, right? Uh, anyway, uh, so kind of it was quite hard settling back into church again. Tried to do things in the same way. Joined the music and things, and I think things were getting. They were just started to get really tense with my partner quite consistently we would have I don't know she wasn't keen on like I wanted to go out and see friends and things but she just preferred to not we didn't have the same friends they just didn't relate as well to her not many people did relate very well with her (laughs) Uh, we ended up moving on from this particular church we had (laughs) another church drama uh, where Basically, we we had this we had this the pastor in this particular church. He had a very kind of I actually liked him quite a lot. He was quite intense. His leadership style was quite intense, 
And it came across, unless you understood him, it came across at times as being a little bit too forceful. And, and, maybe, and maybe it was, maybe with a couple of steps back, you know, maybe it was unhealthy. I'm not really sure. I don't remember it clearly enough. But he was, well, my partner interpreted his style as being quite controlling. I personally didn't feel that control. Uh, I don't think any other people did. Or maybe, I don't know, maybe some people did and, and she found some I people who kind of... I guess right? Yeah. It's just whether you find them relatable or not. Yeah, and I guess, you know, everyone has their different triggers and my partner had a trigger about control, which is super ironic. Yeah. <laughs> very, very <laughs> ironic. But she thought it was her position or her role to basically give feedback to this pastor on, but not just from her on behalf of everyone. So like no one was aware that this was going to happen. I was because she told me about it and I didn't think it was a good idea, but I couldn't stop her from doing it. I didn't force her. I could never (laughs) force her to do anything, but I, I didn't think it was a good idea but I just had to go along with it. And so she wrote a letter to the pastor laying out the fact that she and a number of others found his, his methods or his, his (laughs) style a bit forceful and controlling and that perhaps he could make some changes had she actually had conversations with other people or was that? Oh, she did. But, and, and she'd, I guess the way she had these conversations, they were she would ask leading questions, yeah, and she kind of connected dots. We've talked before about how yeah. that she used to connect dots to things mm. that perhaps weren't actually linked, and maybe other people were just kind of going along with it too. They didn't think anything would come. And also, of it. you wouldn't disagree with her, would you? Yeah, and and, and again, there still a, was probably a kernel of truth in what she was saying anyway. But was it her? Did she have the authority to challenge? <laughs> someone no. in leadership or was that the way to do it you know mm. there were there were no conversations with him directly because she said she found him too overwhelming like his presence which i can i can get it i understand mm. that um anyway there was a lot of fallout from that it was a <sighs> you imagine <laughs> mm. all of a sudden a pastor thinks that there's some kind of revolt like <laughs> But some some that. kind of revolution happening in the background. Uh, and I was just caught in the middle. So people were coming to me to ask, like, what the hell is going on? The pastor came to me because we had a fairly good relationship. Like, he's like, can you explain what's going on here? And I was like, well, I don't know. Like, I don't necessarily agree. Like, you'll have to talk to her about it. And so you can imagine that made her my partner even more mad because I wasn't wanting to back her up. And that was a big deal, not Mm. just in this situation, but just in general in our relationship is I had to a hundred percent always be on her side. And that was a constant, uh, um, a constant issue in our relationship that I wouldn't back her 150% because I I couldn't disagree. And I definitely couldn't disagree with her in public. Mm which is also ironic because <laughs> she had no qualms about the opposite. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but needless to say, things just kind of got a little bit messy and we ended up moving on from this church. And 
we got involved in a in a church in the city. Quite a, I would say, aspirational mega church is probably how I would describe it. I don't even know what precipitated us specifically getting involved in that church. I think we tried a few, but when we walked into this church, it was like your classic mega church. And if you're familiar with mega churches and mega church culture, you would 100% recognize this place as being that. So you walk in and you're just immediately uh, consumed by positivity. Mm. You are surrounded by it. There is no negativity in this place. Everyone was friendly. Everyone says hello. Straight away, you're being connected with, there's, you know, a very... It's like a business operation. In well, a it's a bit, it, like, well, it's a very smooth operation. Yeah. So, and the more you get into it, the more you know that it's not a mistake. That's not, it's not accidental. It's planned. But, you know, we got into this place. You, you kind of brought in, you've got... After this, you have a great service that is a lot of fun and music is great. The leaders seem really approachable and funny and and you, the message seems relevant. And then after the service, you're immediately connected with a team of people who want to get down your details and kind of invite you to come along again. And it was a great experience. How could that not be? It was just, yeah. it was awesome. After what my partner had considered a very controlling environment right this was an environment that was free and fun and it had only good vibes <laughs> <laughs> anyway so like fast forward we basically got right into this church and i don't want to there are there's a lot to share here but i don't want to this is not necessarily the forum for it but it just consumed us more, me more so, I think, because I was desperate for some purpose in my life. I'd just been floating around, not really knowing what I was doing. Job-wise, uh, I started had started doing some part-time teaching, which I never thought I'd do, but it's another story. <laughs> uh, just kind of, oh, I was doing like random removals and just trying to make some money because my partner was the prime earner at this stage while I was studying had no real black and white plan after uni so I was just desperate for something that would kind of give me something to do that was bigger mm. than myself and I got involved really really involved with music I got involved in uh, it was mostly it was mostly music actually to be honest but there was other um, kind of avenues of, of volunteerism that I got involved in. And that was a big deal in this church. And it, in most mega churches mm. is you just get involved. Yeah. And that was one of the things that people are usually signed up for really quickly is, you know, dedicating your time. to Yeah. You, you're giving you know, back. <laughs> you're sold this idea of ch this church, this journey, this relationship with God will mean more to you if you are giving back. And we don't do this because we have to. We do this because we want to. We are building the house. We are building the kingdom, the house being the church, the kingdom being just the kingdom of God, you know, his kingdom on earth. We are here to bring people in. Uh, but the more we got into this, the more formulaic, the more of a smooth operator you become because you get better at it. Uh, but you're not, you don't think that you're doing anything bad because it's just so, so natural and I'll be honest, I was 
I don't know, I was good at it. I was good at the music stuff. I was doing solo performances uh, to like conferences of thousands, you know. It was a it was a real high point, you know, not for me, of course. It's all about God mm. and building the kingdom, building the house. Uh, but it just, I became so engulfed in this church bubble that it became everything. I was out at, involved in church activities maybe five, six days a week. Uh, at one stage in the final year I was there, once I finished at uni, I actually started volunteering at church full time and became, I started working at the uh, uh, the housing estate, the local housing estate full time uh, throughout the week. And I was just doing uh teaching English. I was doing music with them because they had their own little branch of the church there as well. And just doing general service at this community center. Was your partner involved with anything? Well, so she was working full time in her teaching role and that, I mean, that took up a lot of her time, Mm -hmm. but still like for me, like things at home when they just were not healthy. They 100% were not healthy. And by this time, I'd completely woken up to that as well. Mm. And I didn't want to be at home. So it was a form of escapism, really, being busy in the church. 100%. Mm. And we did actually go through a time of, I don't know, I can't remember the specifics of it, but where we ended up actually going to a pastor and saying, you know, telling that we were having some difficulties and... I remember, like, he was very approachable and very understanding, but we didn't, I didn't get anything from it. It was, you know, kind of talk about it, pray about it together, you know, with him. Um, And that was it. And then after that, there was just kind of this feeling of just, just keep going and just keep pretending. Yeah. There was no end game in sight for me. I didn't see anything beyond it at this stage, but I will admit that I did imagine being with other people just fantasy Mm. like not actually seeing how that might happen but just imagining what it would be like to be with these people that I would meet say at uni I was coming across Mm. these really cool people who are a bit younger than me and having a lot of fun Mm. and uh you know going back it was like going back in time to the first time at uni where I'd have crushes on Mm. on people it was it felt a little bit like probably more the idea of them right somebody Mm. who's normal and someone you can ever ever joke and laugh with and yeah, and I was able, I was kind of becoming myself again as well and kind of creating this fun identity that recreating because that's how I always had been. But it was at odds with this as I was starting to find myself. It was at odds with my partner who she couldn't cope with that. She couldn't cope with me finding myself and she kept trying to wrestle control back. Yeah, sometimes so I was about physically. to say it probably felt like she was losing control yeah. of you. And then and, you were waking up. Uh, there's one particular time. There's a lot to share, actually. I'm just realizing the time. There's a lot to talk about here. Uh, I went out to a birthday party and with some of my uni mates. And I came back that night. It wasn't even super late. But I shared a taxi with one of my friends and dropped her off in the taxi and then it went back home and I paid for it on my credit card and I got back and my wife was waiting for me 
and she was fucking livid. She came in when I, I tried to walk in quietly, not to wake her up, because that was one thing you never do. You never no. wake her up. Sleep was sacred. <laughs> anyway, she came in, stormed in, ran into the kitchen, came back with some scissors, grabbed what? my grabbed my credit card, and chopped it up in front of me. Wow. Yeah. And that was how my night ended. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot there. There's a lot that happened. And uh, <laughs> I don't really want to kind of finish on this very dark note, but I'm just noticing the time. And so I think we'll probably, we'll, we'll have to pick up in the, in the next episode some more details. But there was a lot that happened in this particular stage for me. Where, where it's, it's funny how things have kind of gone opposite. Because while, whilst your life was heading towards this stability. long period of peace and stability, mm-hmm. mine was about to get fucked. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yep. Uh, yeah. So, I mean... Please come back for more. <laughs> Leave you on that sort of hook to, to come to the next episode. Oh, Jesus. I'm the so drama sorry. is I'm about so to begin. Not about to begin. Some drama. More drama. Well, it's about, about to come to, to the come to the fore, really. Anyway, yeah. we'll save that for next time. <laughs> but yeah, thanks. Thanks for joining us. And just a reminder, you can follow along on on uh, our Instagram page at our story underscore pods and our Facebook page, which is just This is our story. I presume you can find that by searching it. Yep. Okay. All right. We'll sign off there and we'll see you again very soon. Kakite. Bye.